Channel 10. Mm-hmm. We used to be like CNN Channel 10. And we used to think that people would catch on. You know but if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got Time Warner or whatever. Like, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, yo. yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, horn, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. What up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. What up? Yo, CNN. Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo, crime Yo, we are back once again. This is the Channel 10 Podcast. It is I, Singard Superior. Um, the Almighty AR is still on hiatus right now, as usual. So uh, hopefully we'll get him back sooner or later. But um, I have a special guest uh, with me for this episode. And this is uh, actually someone that me and Artic have been talking about getting on for quite a long time. And um, when I was back in Baltimore, I had a chance to uh, meet meet him briefly and see him perform. Um, really dope. He has a lot of good, dope music out right now, and that person is JPEG Mafia. What's good with you? Damn, that's 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 the, <laughs> that's a bad way to come in. <laughs> it was good, man. Man, that was that. That was a crazy-ass intro. That was hard. Oh, cool, cool. Um, well, you know, Ashley, you know, your, your little yee, Ashley, you know, fits with your persona, at least through email. Your different yo's in Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I speak, in, I speak strictly in Adler's on email. Well, uh, hey, man, I feel you, man. I feel you, man. That's how, that's how you got to do it. Um, and so right now... Um, you're currently you're in LA, but um I know that you know you've been touring quite a bit extensively and you're going back on tour soon if you aren't on tour right now. Um and one of the places that you're going to um perform at very soon, I think in the like the next month or so is Gathering of the Juggaloos in uh, OKC. Um and actually I'm Okay, and I, I'm based in Oklahoma actually right now, um, so I found that interesting. And then you're also you're going to uh, France um, later that later on in a month. Um, so is it will that be your first time performing in uh, over in Europe? Yeah, that's been my first time performing in Europe ever. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be interesting. I'm on. I'm. I got a I got a friend out there, Abdul Ali, who's performing out there now, and he's just like telling me what it's like because I. I'm just I'm just interested to see how French people react to my shit because I, I feel like it's very America centric. You know what I mean? Like right. I guess the shit I'm talking about can apply to anything, but I feel like I I reference shit that's so specific. Like it, I don't know. You have to like live here to get it. But right, fuck it. <laughs> right, and this is actually something that I that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you know, um, you know, right now, um, before we really get into a bit more about your story for the audience and um you know you performing a gathering of the juggaloos you know when i first saw it i was like you know and in, in my head i was like i can get it but then at the same time i'm i was kind of surprised because um you know like i guess the aesthetic of what you do it fits with the gathering of the juggaloos and, and the, the kind of people that they had performed there but then at the same time um you know the term juggaloo and the people who tend to embody this I guess the so-called juggaloo aesthetic, they have this certain kind of stigma, you know, the stigma of kind of being, you know, like racist and everything like that. And I'm curious, I'm curious to know, um, because I know that you mentioned, I think it was 
um, I can't remember which interview it was, but in an interview you you, you mentioned um, you know you being kind of surprised at least down south at how many uh, females um, come out to your shows. So I'm. So I'm. So yeah, I forgot where I mentioned that, but yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of girls that come out of my shows. Right. So I'm curious to know. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, so I'm curious to know, like the as of right now, what is the racial makeup of your shows? Man, right now, um, the racial makeup of my shows is usually young black black men, young white men, and young white females. That's usually like that's the highest with like white men and white females being the highest. Like I see usually it shows, and that and that's due to a lot of things. It might be the nature of the music, you know, underground shit. Usually that's the kind of crowd it attracts, but it's also like. I don't know. They make up like 70% of the country, so they're kind of, I don't know. <laughs> they're just going to be everywhere. <laughs> There's no way to really avoid that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know what to do about that. It's just a numbers game for real. But that, that um, I, I'm, I, what I'm surprised at is that I have such, like, so many female fans. And it's not even because, like, I didn't, I don't make music for women. It's just, like, I just wouldn't, I don't know. I come from, a, I guess, an era where, like, most, like, uh, girls I know wouldn't be into that that kind of shit but like it just shows that I don't know maybe I'm closed minded cause like people like whatever now for real and there's really no no cap on it and actually now like there's more like female rappers killing it now than like ever before so I don't know maybe that's, there's a correlation between all that shit and as far as the juggalo shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean it's just gonna be fuckery I'm just gonna say this I'm going there protected I'm not fucking <laughs> I'll say that I know I'm I'm going there prepared for whatever but um like I, I got invited to to come on that by a dude named Young Gigi from Seattle mm-hmm. I went to split a set with him and you know they picked Young Young they 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 he's the first SoundCloud rapper to perform there and of course he's white okay. you know what I'm saying because that's the type, type of people that they they just you know Young Gigi is hard as shit and I respect him but yeah the Basically, like, they they liked, like, white rappers, you know what I'm saying? Like, they want to see that kind of shit. But actually, in my experience with Juggalos, like, just because I live in Buttfuck, nowhere, Alabama, which mm. is, like, a bee's nest for Juggalos or some shit. I don't even know. So, like, I my experience with them is that even though I don't really, you know, like, their music is not really my kind of thing, mm. like, I usually see that they kind of stick to themselves, at least in my case. They just kind of like, uh, I like this shit. I'm not going to bother you over here type of shit. So I've never actually had a problem with Juggalos, for real. That's kind of why I wanted to play because, like, I, I kind of like their aesthetic and, like, um, you know, it can go either way. They'll either really fuck with it or they're going to, you know, I'm going to have to shoot somebody, <laughs> allegedly. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like, I don't know. I just, I like I like playing with Chance. I think it could be a big moment for me, so, like, yeah, I'm uh, the Gavin of the Juggalos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I can imagine. That's why I was, um, you know, I was, I was happy to see you, you know, performing there. I, I really think that, you know, that could, uh, could really, you know, expose you to like, you know, a lot of people who may not be aware of you right now. And, um, you know, with that being said, you know, I, this is like a quick aside. Um, you know, uh, so I'm from Baltimore, but you know, I'm in Oklahoma right now, and um, I, uh, one of my friends. 
um she just told me this kind of crazy story about juggle because like every so often i'll listen to like some insane clown posse and um i was listening to it <laughs> when i was when she came over my house one time and she just like turned the shit off and she told me the story about juggalos and um pretty much to make a long story short she dated a cl- like a closet jug- juggalo and <laughs> so, so yo what <laughs> yeah like um apparently like he would like every like during the summer you know whatever like whenever they would have like the gathering he would like disappear but he wouldn't really tell her like where he where he was going or some shit and then you know she was like why are you doing this so they like every you no know, she just kind of like started noticing a pattern or whatever and then next thing she knows like she kind of like catches him like putting like the makeup on or like she opens the door on him and he's he has like the whole like icp type of shit going on his face damn she must have thought he was like doing some whole other shit yeah, yeah she did and but you know for whatever reason she i think she was just more like turned off the, at the fact that he was a juggalo or whatever like that but um but yeah but you know the nothing thing about huh hold on i'm i'm, I'm getting in that i'm getting in that then yeah if i cut off you can keep talking but if i cut off just like and if you don't hear me like saying anything for a minute or you say what's up and i'm not there just call just hang up and call me right back <laughs> all right gotcha just, just like a little bit yeah and then also another thing about um you know the insane clown posse is that i mean you know like they collaborate they've collaborated with quite a bit of black rappers you know like three six is someone that really sticks out to me like esham so um and every so often i mean they have black acts at gathering of the juggalos so i wouldn't really see you know, you know. Ice, Cube was, ice cube has played that too like oh yeah oh, ice cube right. tech nine and Ice Cube is like my favorite rapper of all time, so that's all. That also motivated me because I'm like, what well, Ice Cube's content is similar to mine. So I'm like, he he didn't give a fuck. He went there and he was like, yeah, I'm gonna play this shit. I don't give a shit. And like, you know, he kills it. Now that he plays it like every year or some shit or whatever. But yeah, hell yeah. They that's I'm saying, yo, like I don't. I may not listen to the music all the time and shit, but like mm-hmm. I've never really had a problem with them. They've always just done their thing and stayed the fuck out of everybody else's way. So like, I don't. I've never. I can see, I can see, like, I'm, I definitely know there probably is some racist juggalos and shit out there, but in my experience, like, mm-hmm. none of, they're all just, like, white people who do mad drugs and just want to listen to <laughs> I, I can't hate on that, for real. Right. <laughs> now, when it comes to, like, the content of your music in general, um, you tend to, all, you tend, like, to, some of your main themes, of course, you know, they revolve around race, but more specifically, they focus on uh, what you what you deem as trust fund kids, and uh, and and you know, and hipsters and, gen- and gentrification. And the thing about people, I mean, like uh, you know, your music is that it seems like at least when it comes to hip hop, um, you know, people. Hip hop artists that tend to be a bit more, um, you know, like really anti-establishment and stuff like that against the status quo. It seems to me that hipsters tend to really just gather towards that shit. Yeah, flock to them. And so I'm sure that you've noticed that, you know, in your um, interactions with, you know, some of your fans, you know, where, where you've been like all throughout the South and everything like that. Um, how do you tend to deal with like some of those, you know, so-called hipsters or trust fund kids that you can just like feel that, like you know, they they like your music, but, you know, but more more or less for shallow reasons, you know, based around your your anti-establishment aesthetic. Um, have you ever had to, had to deal with something like that so far in your career? I mean, 
I've I've had a weird career because like the way normally, so like basically when I first started performing, I was stationed in Louisiana when I was in I was in the military and I was stationed in Louisiana, so I was performing in Louisiana and um, uh, you know, in Louisiana there's no real like art scene for real. It's just like the only people that perform are like niggas that do like country tribute bands and shit or like you know what I'm saying or like metal or something. learn how to deal with rejection and just like deal with like performing in front of two people and just having to kill it anyway. So like I, I started out my career like real hostile. Like people were like trying to fight me. I was like stepping on the flag, Confederate flag, like shit like that. So those are my first interactions with any kind of performance. So like there was no hipsters then it was just rednecks. So like (laughs) now that I'm performing in a different, not like a couple of years later, fast forward a couple of years later, and now I'm performing, and now like hipsters or like people from sub- the suburbs are coming out. Um, and it at first it was very strange to me because I was expecting that same hostility. But yeah, you're right. The 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 the, the tame kind of suburban kids tend to flock to this kind of shit because I think it's it's an escape for them. It's like I don't know, like they they. My experience, like, I grew up kind of weird because, like, I was poor as shit in an affluent neighborhood, but mm-hmm. that was also, like, mostly black. It was Laurelton, Queens, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Laurelton, Queens, New York. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I basically grew up poor around certain people who had money. And, like, no, I basically grew up poor in a neighborhood that had rich people in it, but went to a school with nothing but poor people. Mm-hmm. And, like... I just like I think it's just they're attracted to the the respect and the the reaction you get from being like anti-establishment and blah blah blah. Even if they are actually the establishment, so it's, it's like for some of them it's a novelty thing. For some of them they really live through it. Like it really that's really like what they they need that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like to to keep them going. But um, I don't really know why exactly they them in particular flock to it but uh, I don't know they got money yeah, that's true so I mean you so, know, just, you're sticking them up man sticking them up for their money <laughs> <laughs> I mean like I, I mean like I fuck with I feel like the, the, the type of music I make like you when you listen to it you're either gonna as like someone who's like who I'm talking about mm-hmm. like a, a a white fan or something you're either gonna do like two things to me you're either gonna um fuck with it hard and understand it and be like, hell yeah. Or you're going to get super offended by it. And like, I've always said, like, I make music for a certain demographic and that's black people, period. So like every, everything else that I shoot out at people, I just, what? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Everything else I shoot out, um, I shoot out a general message and I don't, I could target specific people or I could specify who exactly I'm talking about, but I just shoot it out in general and, whoever cats strays, cats strays, because I feel like the people who aren't like that won't even think that I'm talking about them in the first place. So, like, I don't have to worry about that. But if you do get offended, like, okay, then you are what I'm talking about, actually. I don't even know if that made sense for real, but, yeah, that's 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 kind of how I, I look at it when, like, uh, 
a hipster or a trust fund kid comes up to me like at a show but you know I, I don't know if, if they like the music they then I'll, I'll fuck with them like this I'm not gonna not fuck with them but I I will say this I get mad hate mail yo which is very strange to me <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah I, I wanted to talk about that a bit a bit too um but but before we do real quick um going back to you know your you know your, your performing in Louisiana and, and performing throughout the south and everything um well, because originally, so you're from New York, and then eventually um, you moved to Alabama, right? Right, I moved to Alabama after 9-11. Okay, now, um, and you're, in your song, um, All Caps, No Spaces, uh, you, 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 you mentioned someone uh, really interesting, because I never thought, like, you know, like, at least someone like you would, would actually, like, mention, mention this person, and that person is Burzum. <laughs> And like I just thought that I felt like I was the only nigga who actually knew Burson was, and who you know sometimes listen to like some of his like his black ambient shit. And so you know you say I heard you like Burson, bitch, not me. So I, <laughs> so like, did you like? So when did you encounter like people like Burson, Pantera, and stuff like that? Was it you know during your time throughout the South or somewhere else? It was various times. Like, for me growing up, I grew up, like, really, really, like, shit poor. Like, not even, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was some shit beyond some project shit. It was really bad. So, like, I, my, my escape was, like, music and, and like, uh, video games and shit. That's why I have, like, those video, these video games and shit and animes and shit tattooed on my fucking arms and shit. Because, like, that shit was really an escape when I lived in, like, a fucked up area. So, like, I... Coming from a fucked up area at times, like, there were times where, like, I'd go to a certain school or something like that. Like, and I switched schools a lot, too, and I would feel, like, out of place. So I tried to, like, I was trying to find myself. So I was getting into a whole bunch of shit. So, like, I, like, found my way to Burzum because I was listening to this band called Mayhem. Mm-hmm. It was, like, an old metal band from, like, the 90s. Like, I, I got right. introduced to, like, rock from, like, a friend back in Queens. And, um... I was just reading up like um, one of the dudes that was either in mayhem or associated with him. It was a, a singer named dead. Mm. And like his story is crazy. Like he basically was just this emo ass dude who shot himself in the face. Mm. And when his, his homie came in and saw him shot and like took a picture of it and used it as an album cover. And I was like, <laughs> man, white people are crazy. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So like, from there, I just started learning about all these different bands, like Candle Mass and like I don't know Screwdriver, just any, any like these weird like it like metal and punk bands. And I found my way to Burzum because um, Varg, Varg, whatever the fuck his last name is, yeah, <laughs> actually he killed one of the dudes from Mayhem. I right, think, right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he got locked up for a while, and I don't know, from between then and, like, him being wherever the fuck he is, he just decided, you know, fuck it, I'm about to just be a fucking Nazi, like a motherfucker, yo. So, like, I was in just looking up bands, I discovered him, and I just started looking into him deeper, and when I looked into him, all I found was these videos of him just, like, wanting to kill, like, Jews and black people and shit. I'm just like, the fuck? I was... I went in on him because, like, 
I feel like I could have been a fan. Like, like it, it saddens me that like I try to get into. I when I was younger, I tried to get into these communities, like the metal community or the video game community, and I was met with so much racism that it just pissed me the fuck off. That's why I rap about the shit I do because it's like, and I, I can talk about these livers because I was among them. I, like, I wanted to be one of them because I wanted to escape from who the fuck I was. So like. In mm-hmm. trying to like be one of them, I just discovered that they don't know who the fuck they are, and they don't want my black ass in there. Period. So like, yeah, I went the fuck in on Bar because he's a bitch ass nigga. He's in fucking butt fuck nowhere, Norway, just talking shit about what he's gonna do to people and shit. So I'm like, nigga, come to Baltimore. He will die in West Baltimore, bro. Soon as he steps off that shit, he thinks shit is sweet. It's not fucking sweet. This is not Europe. And this is not the metal community, yo. I will beat your fucking ass. Like, what are you talking about, yo? You, like, that's why I went, I, I, I mentioned him because I know nobody was even paying attention and nobody would even think to mention him. So I was like, I'm not letting niggas like that off no more, yo. They're going to get this work too, like, period. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. No, no, no. I mean, no, you, you, I mean, you, you're good. And uh, by the way, for, for those of you guys who are listening right now who don't know who Burzum is, you know, go ahead and look him up. Um, you know, he still has, he look this nigga up because he still has like a, he still has like a YouTube page. He's still like active on online. He, he posts like videos literally every week and it tends to be about trying to make like this weird, you know, um, European commune and, you know, eventually all black people, all Jews will die off eventually. And actually he came up with it with a, a like a board game, like two years ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you got yo. Look up the board game, like the like the the board, like there are like specific rules to this board game, and I think black people are called like copperheads or like cop cop coppers or some shit like that. It was crazy. Anyway, what yeah, you yeah. see? What I'm saying, like I yo, I ain't gonna like the lyrics to all caps no spaces. Like some specific parts were written a long ass time ago, like when I was like a teenager type shit. Like I wrote them like so long ago and it's just because like i was hearing i'm not surprised by shit like that no more but when mm-hmm. i was hearing shit like that i think i made a racist board game i was just so pissed <laughs> yo because i was like i tried to be in your community yo like what the fuck is going on like you don't even it's like yo what part of europe are you in there's like three niggas there why do you hate <laughs> me so bad like what's going on you know what i'm saying like you right. have some deep-seated issues yo like yo yeah anyway Another line um, that embodies, you know, what you're saying that, you know, you're not surprised by these things, at least not anymore, since you're older, is um, from your song Japan, where you say that uh, through all my travels, been with nerds, been with killers, the only one constant is nobody likes niggas. Fucking right, right you know. Right. I, I, um, my bad, my bad. You can Oh, no. Yeah. So and, you know, and, you know, you've been in the military. And so I can only imagine the kind of stories that you have, you know, possibly, you know, just dealing with race in the military as well as, you know, being over in the Middle East and in, in, in Japan, which you you talk about um, a little bit, you know, being in Japan, I think, and well, at least alluding to that certain issues that you had in Japan when it came to your race. Yeah, man. Um, to go to go to the first part of the question, like, yeah, I have some weird stories. I don't have no race stories, but I have some weird stories. I have some weird stories, but I'm glad you mentioned that because that actually is like a big problem in the military, like just rape in general, but it's not reported on in the news because, you know, the military is like the Boy Scouts and nobody, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like they really Mm -hmm. protect the image of the military country. So, but um, yeah, I got some crazy ass stories, but like to to comment on, um, on the Japan shit, 
Yeah, I was in Japan for a while, man, and like that's another thing that kind of hurt me because, like, you know, I'm a big fan of the Japanese culture. Like I said, like I escaped through anime a lot of times when I was younger. Mm. Um, so, like, I went over there blindly, you know, thinking, you know, Japan is just this big fucking like I was I was being uh, closed minded. Honestly, I went over there thinking Japan is like this big fucking I don't know anime fest or some shit like that, and everybody <laughs> is understanding and blah 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 but what i discover is like while it's not like some kind of like it's not like the bible belt type racism with like outright and blah 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 mm-hmm. but they also harbor the same kind of like i don't know disgraceful views of black people like as just lesser beings in general and that's not i'm not speaking for everybody i'm just saying i have experienced it over there as well and that was sad to me because like you know what I'm saying? Again, this is a community. I didn't want to be from Japan, but I just respected the community a lot. So I was just like, I don't really understand what what what's the basis here. And it and it made me even more upset because it's like you don't even have like at least a white person who joined the clan can say he got punched in the arm by a nigga at some point. I got mad and I joined the clan. <laughs> but it's just like even th- even though that doesn't make sense, at least it's something to go off of. It's just like, bro, again. There's what three niggas in Japan, and I was one of them at the time. What basis do you even have to dislike? Me? So you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. It's like you, it's getting it all from American media and shit like that. And that to me, I don't respect that because you dick riding somebody else's hate. What kind of shit is that? What kind of <laughs> ass backwards ass shit is that? It doesn't even make sense. It's just like you can't even come up with your own hate. And then I just started. I don't know you. I just started noticing weird shit. Like I, I went, I, I wanted to do an anime at one point and I went to draw with my homie and my homie started drawing the characters looking like white people. And I was like, what the fuck? And then like another time, like I went to like a homegirl's house and her mother had like a picture of a white baby, like just in the mm. house. And I asked like, what is this for? And she was like, it's for inspiration or something like oh, that. Wow. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> I was just like, what? So yeah, I wrote Japan as I wrote that song Japan to be like Japan is a beautiful country with hella culture and like so many beautiful people, but it's not. I think people, especially like young black men who might be in the anime and shit like that, they mm-hmm. might think that it's some kind of like utopia. And I'm just letting them know, like, no, those, those same races, the same subtle racism and whatever kind of racism you deal with over here, you're probably gonna deal with it over here also, because you know. Nobody likes niggas, yo. I've been everywhere around the world. I've been to Kuwait, Iraq, fucking Germany. Nobody likes niggas. It's just, it's just a thing. No, no one likes us, yo. I can mm. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. But every fucking country I ever went to is that's the, the, the common factor there. Like nobody likes us. So I'm just like, I need niggas to understand that so that they know that the only people we got is us, and that's it. Nobody's gonna help you. Yeah, that's my information. Right. Now, uh, when it so were you still in the military when you went to Japan, or was this after the military? This was right after I got out of the military. I went to Japan and I I lived there for. I went. I still had my military ID card, so I was on um, Okinawa Air Force Base. Okay, that's what's up. Now, um, you mentioned some somewhere that. you know, you saved up your money in the military, and we you know with that money that you saved, you bought equ- equipment mostly. So, um, you know, being my, being a producer myself and everything like that, I'm curious to know what kind of uh, equipment that you uh, that you purchased during that period. 
Well, back then, um, this is like 2009, 2010. I was deployed. I was in Kuwait. I just mm-hmm. got from Iraq and I went to Kuwait. And Iraq is like hell. You can, I didn't even order nothing there. Internet mm-hmm. didn't even work for real. But like mm-hmm. in Kuwait, it's also considered a danger zone, but it was like not, it wasn't hostile or anything. It was more time to chill. Mm-hmm. So I would just, it took like a day to download albums. So I would just like queue up an album on my internet and just like listen to it and just study, just listen to like so much different type of shit. And then like look up people's equipment and just like figure out what they did, figure out what I need to do. So I, I bought like, I basically with the money I got, cause I was getting hazard duty pay. So I used that shit to buy like basic, I used it to buy every DAW, every dog except Ableton. Because mm. Ableton, I didn't, I didn't know, Ableton wasn't a thing at the time. But mm. I would have got that too. And I just studied on some like one punch man shit and just like <laughs> <laughs> studied and learned every last one of them until like I knew every, the whole fucking thing in and out. So I bought all that. I bought like, you know, keyboards and hardware and mics and blah, blah, blah. Some of that shit I still actually use to this day. But uh, yeah, I just, I use that money to get equipment that I would never be able to afford otherwise. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for that because if I didn't, then I will probably, you know what I'm saying, I'd still be looking, trying to buy a mic from Kmart, trying to record my first tape. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, I, I used the military because I was like, I used the military to hone my skills and just like um, figure out, like get all the mistakes out the way. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, I know whatever I do first is not going to be well, I, I did shit before that, but I was like, I know whatever I release first, I might not be satisfied with it later, but whatever. I'm a, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do be as creative as possible. And because of that, I was able to become <clears throat> who I am today. <laughs> <laughs> right now, you um, you know, while while there were like bombs hurling over over your head, you were you know making beats because I believe you were only you were really only off on Saturdays, right? That's right. Yeah, six days a week, one day off. And it's Damn, just, you really did your you really did your homework. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I try my best, man. You know, it seems to me just like when it comes to your output, you know, I guess from from, you know, like when you were still Devon Hendrix up until now, you have a pretty decent output. And so um, I can only help but imagine that, you know, kind of being in that atmosphere and like, you know, saying she only got fucking Saturday. I got to, you know, do these beats. I got to do this. I got to do that. That you learned how to record, write and produce, you know, rather quickly. Is that um? is that correct? Well, I've been producing beforehand since I was like 14. Okay. But I didn't really decide to be I I I didn't decide to become like a rapper until I was 18. So that 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 time I just used I just took what I already knew and just like went further than that and just just, just tried to learn everything I could about producing and I taught myself how to mix and master. And then um I I also used that time to really hone my writing skills like if I don't, I don't think this tape is online anymore, but I have a, the first tape I ever released, which was this tape called Generation Y. If you mm-hmm. listen to it, the bars are mad dense because I was just sitting in a fucking hole in the desert writing all day. <laughs> so, like, all the mm-hmm. bars are, like, hella dense shit, and it sounds like I'm Nas or some shit. But it's just, like, yeah, I use my time to really learn how I would rap and, like, what, who, who I was as a rapper. So, like, yeah, I started out, like... But I, I I was already rapping and shit before that. I just didn't take it seriously until, like, I was, like, 18. Right now, what made you take um, hip-hop seriously at 18? 
shit, Ice Cube. Because, mm. like, I always had the idea, like, my, the things I wanted to rap about was the shit Ice Cube was talking about. But I didn't know you could do that. So, like, I thought you had to, like, when I was younger, I was just like, nobody's going to fuck with this shit if I'm not talking about certain shit or if I try to talk about, like, this weird segment I just saw on Fox News. Nobody's going to get it. So, like, it wasn't until I, I started listening to Ice Cube. I was, like, 16, 17, whatever. Mm. I was like, I heard America's Most Wanted. I was like, what the fuck? He said, he said, um, he said, cock the hammer, then crack a smile. Take me to your house, pal. Got to the house. My pockets got faxy. Cracked the safe, but uh, got the money and the jewelry. Three weeks later, I'm at the PAT. Got a little fly-ass bitch in me. Wait, he said, um, sitting in a dang yo couldn't be. Cracked the safe, uh, see my face on TV. Damn, fuck. I've got to do it. Ah, my bad. I, I forgot the verse. <laughs> it was America's Most Wanted, the song. Basically, at the end of the line, he was like, um, he, he said some shit, point blank, on a Caucasian or whatever. I was like, what? <laughs> going down there. Right. Yeah, and I was like, damn, you can you can talk about that? Like, you can go on on these racist white people? I ain't know. And I started bumping Public Enemy, you know, X-Clan. And I was like, these niggas was talking about this shit in 91. I was like, yo, hell yeah. So, yeah, I, mm. that's when I was like, I'm about to rap because I didn't, I, I realized that rap was like more than just like, Rap was not like rock where you had to like follow a formula. Like you could actually do anything you want. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I decided to take it seriously. When I knew I could stretch it to where I wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when it comes, you know, to everything that, you know, that you've, um, you know, that, that you've done so far in your career, um, how do your parents uh, view your, your your music career at this point? I mean, do, do they listen to your music at all, or do they try to understand what you do? <laughs> well, my dad don't listen to my music at all. I feel like my dad would be upset that I'm a rapper, period. But he would, if he actually, he might, like, take the time, since it's me, he might take the time to sit down and listen to the lyrics, and he might hit me back to be like, well, goddamn, son, you're doing, you're doing me proud, or something like that. <laughs> but okay. my mom knows... My mom just recently realized I do music because she saw me on uh, Noisy or something. She was like, are you on, um, <laughs> she's like, are you in this magazine or some shit like that? And I was like, yeah. Um, so she knows, but I'm pretty sure she either hates my music or just thinks it's completely stupid and just like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't really, they don't really have a reaction for real. Like, uh, it's kind of like a non reaction but yeah my mom uh knows i do music but i i've sent her a song before and she's just she just texted me back okay <laughs> like all right well <laughs> <laughs> well well you well, well you have an oh you have a um a west indian background right yeah i'm jamaican my whole family's jamaican okay yeah and so i would you know i mean just from what i hear you know um i, I can imagine that you know if um you know i'm mean, all your parents from here no, my parents are from Jamaica. My, okay. my, I'm I'm the only person from my family born in, in America. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, I would imagine that you know, coming from that that kind of background, they you know they really want probably wanted you to go the the so-called straight and narrow, and you know, kind of act like a trust fund kid for lack of a better term. Right. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely did, but like, yo, we was just poor. Like, there's no there's no way to fake that. Like, I, when I was like thirteen, fourteen, I just like. I just told, I was like, mom, I'm, I'm not faking this shit no more. I can't like, 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't mm-hmm. go pretending to be some shit that we poor and shit, yo. Like, this is life decisions, yo. This is not my fault. I don't pay rent to something that you did, and I don't have no part in it. This, I'm just brought up in this shit, so I'm just going to pack exactly, like, where the fuck I'm from, and I own that shit, yo. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah. They, 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 they definitely wanted me to probably do some other shit. <laughs> but mm-hmm. as, long as, as long as I'm making money, I don't think they care. Right, yeah, I think that I think that's all that all that matters. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, and you also you you have a brother too, right? Yeah, I have. Uh, I had a brother. I have three of them, but I got two now. But I don't. My family's kind of split up, so I don't really talk to them. Okay, now I know that in an interview you you mentioned something about a brother and um like getting locked up. Is that the one that that you were like raised with? I was raised around him. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away right before we moved uh-huh. to uh, Alabama. But he, I didn't, I grew up with him, but like he was way older than me when I was coming up. So like, it's kind of, I, our family's kind of like, we have a strange situation in the family. So it's like a half brother for real, not a, a full brother. So like, I, mm-hmm. I was I was close to him, but like um, definitely didn't grow up with him like my whole life type shit. Okay, now now with the the situation with your brother, um, is that at least like partially the impetus for you like really focusing on, um, you know the uh, political elements when it comes to your music? It's definitely part of it because um, in New York, uh, when 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 I was when we were living there, it was like stop and frisk was going on and, and Giuliani was mayor and shit like that. The, that's the first time like I ever cared about politics for real. Like when I saw like you know, my brother getting pulled over or yoked up or I'm walking home from school and I get patted down and shit like that. That's the, that's the first thing I, I, I knew about politics. Like when I was real young, the first thing I remember is like fucking hating Rudy Giuliani like a motherfucker. I hated that motherfucker. You know? I still hate him to this day, yo. Mm-hmm. I've hated that man my entire life. My entire fucking life, I've hated Rudy Giuliani because he's... Ah, New York is hell <laughs> with him as mayor. But, um, yeah, that, the, my first foray into any kind of pol- politics is, is definitely Rudy... I mean, um, yeah, Rudy Giuliani, stop and frisk, early 2000s, late 90s type shit. Back when niggas said fat. <laughs> 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 oh, that's fat, son. Real talk. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> and then when you go to Alabama, then you like, then you just kind of experience like certain, you know, racist shit. Like you know, like really, like just straight up. Yeah, man. Yeah, like almost immediately. I so this dude rolled by. Like the first day I was walk, first day I was walking home from school. This dude rolled by. I had to walk down into like this log cabin area and mm-hmm. like. There's like a lake and there's like a dip down there and like on the dip there's like a curve like so like you curve around the lake and like while I was walking around the lake this dude just pulled up and he just spit on me and he's like nigger and he oh, drove shit. off and I was like I was like word yo I was like really bro on the first day like the first day I was like it just destroyed my mood like I I remember I was when I first got to the uh, school in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like all the girls was on me, yo, because I had a New York accent. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know why that was what 
you ask any New York nigga that, that went to the South in that era, in that like time period, like I don't know, they just like the accent. I have no idea why, but one of these white girls was just talking to me about some shit. I don't even know you. I really don't know what this girl was talking about. She was asking me about like the Iron Bowl or something. I didn't even know what that shit was at the time. <laughs> so I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about, bitch. <laughs> and then, but like as we're having this conversation, like this white boy in the corner like threw a fucking orange at me yo he threw a fucking orange at me and then like i looked over there and he's just looking at me with this look like he wanted to like eat me or something i'm like yo what the fuck is going on in alabama yo Mm. (laughs) that shit was fucking traumatizing yo i had to go to school every day i look forward to getting away from school and then eventually i was just like man fuck this shit then I I realized you get brolic on white boys and they like back down for real. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So yeah. And you know when it when it comes to you know your uh, your your views on um, you know like white people right now and you know in 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 this age of Trump you tend to talk a lot about or what I call uh, liberal white racism and that. You know, these white liberals, a lot of them, you know, not saying that all of them aren't like this, but a lot of them, they think or they claim they're for a cause. But what you tend to always point out is the fact that, you know, you say all these things, but you don't have to, like, directly deal with it like how we have to. So, like, you know, when people spitting on you and shit like that. So um, and this is something that I noticed, too, you know, being here and doing like doing doing what I do here, you know, like um, when like Trump became president. You know, all these white people, you know, they're kind of falling over on themselves. What are we going to do? And then in my head, I'm like, yo, like, yo, you guys are fucking white. Like, none of these, like, you know, these crazy-ass, you know, like, fucking right-wing lunatics are going to fuck with y'all. They don't really give a fuck unless you openly say some shit about, you know, being against Trump. It's like a nigga like us that... Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. And they so, they they not they not stunting them un- unless it's like unless they directly oppose them. Right. That's. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Right. Um. I re- I had a conversation. Well. Well, 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 two people, and one one woman said, like, well, you know, I'm really afraid because I'm Jewish. Now, mind you, you would never know she's Jewish. <laughs> another one. Another one said, oh, well, I'm Mexican. Never know she's Mexican. You know what I'm saying? So, it it just kind of kills me. I hate when people try to play that oppression Olympics. It's just like, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you have to tell somebody something before they know, then mm-hmm. you're more protected than we are. Because we, it don't matter where we go or what situation we're in. we just black. Like, we can't be like, pretend not to be, you know what I'm saying? I go to a Klan meeting, I'm the same way. You go to a Klan meeting, you don't got to tell them you're Jewish. Bro. You just got to <laughs> be like, you know, leave that out. But like how I'm, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't right. hide this for real. So it's like people be trying to play that oppression Olympic shit, and it's disrespectful. Yo. It's just like it shows the disrespect people have for niggas in general to even try to come at it like that. Like to be like, well, you guys aren't the only one who are oppressed <laughs> type shit. And like, really, bro? Is this what? what? <laughs> yeah. And when it comes to, um, you know, like, I think like the like the best embodiment of how you of how you view like white liberalism is actually from Man Purse, your um, your newest single out right now that you just recently came out with. And you say that I sip liberal tears from a dirty glass made with Obama's hope. Shit is so dope and so fucking deep. Like, you know, like what was going through your mind? Like when, when you wrote down that line, if you can if you can recall it all. 
I ain't even write that joint, yo. I freestyled it. You know, I was trying to um, cause I I've had that beat for a minute. Mm-hmm. I made that beat like a long time ago, and then like um, I only had the first part written. It, it was like a completely different song before, but I redid it, and I only had the first part written. And I was trying to come up with something for the back half. So I just started mumbling, and I was just using the. I was actually just using the same flow I did on. I might vote for Donald Trump. Mm. So like, I started doing that, and then I just came up with that, that right there, and I was like, oh shit! And then I sat down and wrote the rest of it because like that 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 part came off like off top, like that whole first part. Mm. I sent little tears from a dirty grass field with Obama hope with Obama's hope. All right, better take notes. Found a better way to use a rope, and I just went from there. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, when it comes to like liberal, like li- white liberalism, um, you mentioned in an interview that like a lot of your hate mail comes from like these so-called liberals. So, like, what kind of shit do they like? Do they say in like in this hate mail to you? Man, I get the weirdest. I had, <laughs> I had one dude. He sent me a message. He sent me a picture of um he sent me a picture of like this asian girl who like hung herself in a bath or something mm-hmm. and like she had maggots in her mouth and then all he taught me all he typed in, in, in it was nigger with a d at the end and it was just that picture and i'm like word <laughs> another time like <laughs> another time like somebody somebody wrote me a message she was like you are a fucking black supremacist and I will not engage in any kind of, and I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. I get so much. Like I actually, I'm planning on, I don't even, I shouldn't even reveal this, but like, I'm planning, I'm going to like, I'm taking pictures of all of them and I'm going to make like a PDF of just all the weird ass emails I get. Cause I get so many and it's very strange. Like, <laughs> the the worst the worst the, the weirdest one was definitely like I got an email from this dude he was like hi there I'm a 35 year old white man and um I I love hip hop and I just I, I have a I I'm not racist in any way but I just want to ask you something uh see what your opinion is on it <laughs> I have a puppet called Chip the Black Boy um I was wondering if you'd like to do a song with him. You might know him from something, something with David Lee Hart. And I was just looked at this shit and it had like a video attached. And I was just like, yo, what in the fuck is going on? Yo, like what is going on in my life? I had to just sit down for a second. Like, what is it? Why would you think, why would you email that to me and think I'd be like, yeah, bet. let's do it. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I get a lot of, I get a lot of those, those, those emails and I'm going to save them because it proves the point. Like I've been saying this whole time is like these liberals, they, and they're getting exposed because of Trump. That's one of the only good things that come out of this Trump shit. Like the Democrats are really like exposing themselves for how fucking bigoted and racist they are. Like with the Bill Myers shit recently. Yeah. Yeah. What made him think he could say that? Like, you know, like granted, like, I've heard the argument like it's not that big of a deal and it's not like I, at the end of the day, I don't actually like really care that much, but, but just the fact that he thinks he's 60 fucking something years old. He's a grown ass man. Why would he even think to say that even joking? Like the implications of that, like what the fuck is going on? Yo. And that's, that's the mindset of them. Yo. Like they get real comfortable and they think they're one of you, but like, I like, you know, it, it's, I, I read this thing from, um, 
Thurgood Marshall, I think. Mm-hmm. I might, I might, I might be getting it wrong, but I remember he he was trying to like fight for the. He was a free slave, and he was trying to fight for the advocacy of like slaves. Mm-hmm. And he's working with this white dude from New York or something. And then after slavery, and then and they formed a union, and then they were fighting slavery all these years. And like when slavery ended, the dude, the white dude, hit him up and was like, "All right, man, you're free, good to go, see you later," type shit. And then Thurgood Marshall was like, um. Uh, he was like, "What? Like, wait a minute. We free, but we, what do we have? We have nothing. We can't read. We can't write. You just left us out for dust." And then the white dude was like, "I, I, I wanted to free you guys just because I feel slavery is like morally wrong. But you're not my equal. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, type shit. He basically told him like that, and that's the mentality a lot of people have. A lot of these liberals." who march with you and shit like that. It's just like, they, you're an accessory to them. You're, you're like, uh, you're like, um, you're just something to put on their tumbler for the day or some <laughs> shit like that. And it's just like, don't put all your faith into these, these people because at the end of the day, they don't really give a shit about you either. Mm-hmm. In general. You know, I was, I was digging back and going through some of your, your older, um, your older work. And I was curious to know, because I, I've, I've seen, I've been seeing like this name pop up all throughout like your, your different, um, social media profiles. And that's Ben Yuda. Who, who's Ben Yuda? Oh, dang. You really did the fucking research. I was about to change my name to Ben Yuda at one point. Like my real legal name. That was going to be my legal name and my rap name. <laughs> so like I put that shit everywhere. Uh-huh. I, at one point, I was I put that shit everywhere. I was in Japan trying to think of a new name, and like that's the name I came up with. And it's, it's like, it's it's that that's <laughs> I don't know how you even found that, yo. That's some old ass shit right there. Um, <laughs> and you the shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's old as shit. I was gonna change my whole name, everything to that shit, yo. And it was like, yeah, I, I was going through a phase. Well, you, I mean, yeah, well, because, well, you, you'll probably like this. I was at a, um, I was at Starbucks earlier today. I was, like, researching Ben Yuda for, like, an hour, like, trying to, like, I noticed nigga has, like, a song as Ben Yuda somewhere. I couldn't find anything, though. Um, right, right. Now, I probably, it's probably the, I had, I released a tape in Japan called the Ghost Pop Tape, and, like, mm-hmm. I think at one point I put it up as Ben Yuda, so, like, that might be... Cause it, it might be that might be what you saw. It was just an old like ghost pop song, but all those songs are like actually still on the internet. They just on the different name. So like the way what I well because like I think under your Devon Hendrix um thing on YouTube you had you have been you to on your profile in your about me section, but then in your band camp with your ghost pop joint, um you know you have like a whole bunch of like I think Japanese writing. Or Japanese words, rather, and then in, in the middle of it, or in the midst of it, I see you know Ben Yuda again. So I figured that that meant something to you, and it kind of makes a it kind of makes a bit more sense now because with your Ghost Pop project, it seems to me that you tend to be you know you're fascinated with um with like you know uh g- like you know generations and stuff like that. And you just told me you had a you had an older project, you have an older project called Generation Wild, which I couldn't find, but you know, throughout some of your like your band camp pages and stuff like that, you you um have, you know, R. I. P. nineteen eighty nine. So is that connected with your whole Ben Yuda um name too? Yeah, yeah. I R. I. P. nineteen eighty nine is I was killing I had a I had a movement called it wasn't a movement. It was just some shit I would say in my songs a lot because it meant a lot to me. Generation Y nineteen eighty nine. 
Mm-hmm. I was just the idea behind it is to embrace the present because, like, I feel like everybody was either being nostalgic for '90s hip hop or like just wanting to just always like be in the future. Like, yo, my future's gonna be crazy. It's crazy. Next summer, I got it on Smash, and I'm just like, no one like embraces the present. No one just. I Generation Y, 1989, was me trying to be like, yo, all these old heads are trying to tell you like your music sucks and shit, but own this shit because in 20 years. Like uh, you don't don't want you don't want to become them. You don't want to be like I. Back in my day, we only listened to Young Thug. I don't like MC Boopty Blop or whoever the fuck is gonna be hot in twenty years, or whatever. So like that 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 was the when I that was the mood the the thing I had. And then I had RIP nineteen eighty nine when I changed my name from Devon Hendricks, and then I changed it to Ben Youth at first, and then I changed it to Ghost Pop, and then I was like something else, and then I eventually settled on JPEG Mafia because it was actually a joke between friends in Japan. Like, mm-hmm. it was just, one nigga was PNG Mafia, one nigga was Dropbox, one nigga was whatever, you know, Media Fire Mafia, and that was yeah. JPEG. So, like, that the name was catchy, so I just kept it, and I was like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, it is a catchy name, and then also, uh, Rockwood, Rockwood Escape Plan, what does that mean? Uh, Rockwood Escape Plan is, um, when I was, since I've like, since I've been like 10, I've been like uh, sketching and writing this anime called mm-hmm. The Rock with a Skate Plan. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I was like, every album I released under The Rock with a Skate Plan, I was trying to soundtrack that anime. So like, that's, I, I, I call myself like Devon Hendricks, The Rock with a Skate Plan. So just to remind me, like, this is what I'm doing this shit for. Like, I've, I've been making this for like, years and years and also it was inspired by Lil B because Lil B had like, he was Lil B the bass guy so I was mm. like Devon Hendricks the Rockwood Escape Plan so that, mm. that that's literally where that comes from the Rockwood Escape Plan I, it, I, Rockwood is like a, a fictional uh, place in the anime I have and it's like it was I had this whole plan you know when niggas start rapping they have like entire plan shit oh, yeah, and they like don't even <laughs> yeah like <laughs> and, I, and you know what I'm saying I, I still write for it though. I'm still, I'd like one day, like I get enough money. Like I definitely still going to do it. So like, it's not even like it's changed. I just, uh, I just was like outwardly with it, but now I'm just like keeping it hushed. That's all. Okay. That's what's up. And, um, uh, so, you know, your whole sketching and the, your interest in anime makes a lot of sense because I noticed on your, your, on your Twitter page, you, you posted a, um, a sketch of a Rocco from Rocco's modern life. Is that, uh, did you make that? No, nah, I didn't make that. Oh, somebody okay. sent it. Somebody sent it to me. They were like, "Yo, check this out, JPEG," in my email. And I was like, "Cool." And I just posted it. <laughs> so people just send you like random things like that, and you just like, "Oh, all right." Yeah, yeah. Every every now and then, like if it's not like some just offensive shit, somebody sent me. It's like every now and then somebody will send me a video of them like skating to something to a song or something. I'm just like, "Cool," and I'll post it. Oh, so sometimes, so you just never like, so you just never like, goddamn trust fund kids when you see that shit, or you just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I mean, they 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 just basically sending me videos of them enjoying my music. Right. I can't just be a fuck you. No, no, I mean, no, I mean, I, I was just, I was just fucking with you, honestly. I just wanted to see what you would say. <laughs> um, but um, but all right, well, well sticking with Rocco's modern life. Um, I know that you on a uh, communist slow jams. I think it's the first song you had this that song called Stoop. And uh, you, yeah, right. In which you know, which is an allusion to uh, Hey Arnold and the whole thing about Stoop Kid. So 
I was curious to know, you know, your uh, what are some of your favorite? Because uh, Nickelodeon cartoons they come up quite a bit on this podcast since you know we we're we're of that age and you are too. So, what are some of your favorite Nickelodeon shows? Favorite Nickelodeon shows? Damn, yeah. yo, um, I'm gonna have to go. Rocco is def- huh? That's not one of my favorite. That's one of your favorites. Go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I liked Rocket Power. I wasn't like too deep into Rocket Power though, but like Rocco's Modern Life was hard as shit. Hey Arnold, of course, the classic. I think I seen every episode of Junk, uh, Rugrats, yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, Goosebumps, I think, was on Nickelodeon. Are you afraid of the dark? Keenan and Kel. Like, yeah. it's too many. All of them was, was kind of hard for it. Like, um,. Even like the Amanda show, like I'm like when I was a kid, I thought that show was funny, but I watched it as an adult. I'm like, yo, this shit is fucking hilarious. Like, what the fuck? I'm just high <laughs> as shit, like watching this shit. Like, what is this, yo? <laughs> like, those shows are like, I'm I'm glad we got it. We're very lucky to grow up in that area, like because we yeah. we're the last era to grow up like kind of without internet for a little bit. So we're the last like remaining. That's the last time like the world was like not so dependent on technology i think so like we 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 kind of remember what it was like like in the house phone era mm. and then we also like know what it's like here so like i'm really proud to be to have grown up in the night i'm lucky yo i'm really lucky so mm. yeah but, th- but th- those those are kind of my favorites like for, for nickelodeon and shit like i used to watch like all the nick shows and i used to watch wrestling and shit you know what i'm saying right Shit was good. I mean, it makes sense, you know, you black Steve Austin and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, yo, nigga, nigga beat, beat his wife's ass. Nobody cares. Like, really? Very true. I mean, we, well, you know, like, something else that always amazes me is that, like, the, this whole shit, like, surrounding Michael Vick, but then, like, when, when Roethlisberger, you know, like, pretty much raped that girl, and you only heard that shit for about two days, and nothing. Nothing! It's, it's crazy. It's actually... Yo, I really looked into it. It's actually crazy. Sean Penn tied up Madonna and beat her fucking ass for like two days or some shit. And now, what? What? That's not what you think about when you hear Sean Penn. Though you think about the nigga that went to Haiti and the nigga that somehow interviewed El Chapo when he was yeah. on the run. And it's just like, no, this is the nigga that beat his ass, beat on Madonna's ass. But it's just like, it just shows you like black men's. There's no expiration date on on black men's mistakes. Period. Like they'll they'll hang some shit over your head for the rest of your fucking life, yo. But they'll forgive like the worst shit. Like Woody Allen and shit still gets like lifetime achievements awards. Like yeah. Roman Paluski. Like all these fucked up, deranged ass people, yo. That people let slide. The the dad from Seventh Heaven um was raping little girls and like admitted to it and shit. And I'm just like. Damn, yo! Like, there's really, <laughs> it's really, oh, it's really not hard to like fix your image when you're like white, yo. Justin Bieber just did that shit recently. Like, he was acting like a nigga for all them years, and then one day he just popped up on Ellen. He's like, oh, "I'm white again." And they're <laughs> like, "All right, bet." <laughs> like, niggas can't do that shit, yo. Like Janet Jackson, still like some people still think of her as like the the, the girl whose tip popped out, and it's just like that's Janet fucking Jackson. I know, and, and it's just a tip. So, <laughs> and it's just the tip. That's just all it tit. is. And a nigga took it off. All she did was have a tip. Well, yeah, well, a white man <laughs> took it off. <laughs> a white man took it off, and nobody even just the tip like got out of that shit. 
Like yeah. unscathed, like a motherfucker. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, well, yeah. And then you know, you and you mentioned, you know, you had that that uh, that like that little um interlude, and in, I can't think which song it is right now. But you were talking about, you know, niggas talking so bad about Bill Cosby, and you were talking about like the Woody Allen's and you know Tina Fey, you know, making fun of Bill Cosby, where there are all these other white people that they can make fun of. That yeah, that was that was waves. I remember that. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. remember that was waves. I that was in the middle of it because yeah, at the time, like this was like when there was only like one person accusing him of it. And I was, they like jumped out the window on that nigga. Yo. So I was just like, damn. Cause I'm not even like a huge fan of Bill Cosby, like even pre-rape shit and shit like that. Like, cause my first introduction to Bill Cosby was him. Um, that pound cake speech where he was telling niggas to pull their pants up and shit. So I've never had a good opinion of him like ever. Cause I never mm. really watched the Cosby show to be honest. So like, I just jumped out the window and defended that, like, at the time, because it was just, he had, like, one accuser or whatever. And I, I like, I jumped out the window because, yeah, I already, even at that time, I saw, like, the, the differences. Because at that time, like, the dad from Seven Heaven had admitted that he raped little girls, like, the same week or some shit. And I was just like, you guys are jumping out the window on this man, and you're not, it's, it's not, it's, you're not doing the same to these white men that are doing the same kind of shit, yo. And, like, that's a common thing, yo. So, like, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, they made, like, some kind of joke about him or some shit. And I was just like, where's the jokes for Roman Pulowski? Where's the jokes for Woody Allen? Where's the jokes for these people that you people hang around, yo, but yet you jumping out the window on this man? Like, mm. fuck that shit. Right. Now, you know what I'm saying? Now Bill Cosby got, like, 60 fucking people and I don't even I don't know I just I just noticed that like you know honestly I ain't gonna front he probably did the shit but like I just noticed that like they jumped out the window on Bill Cosby like kinda immediately and it's just <laughs> you know what I'm saying like they did the same thing with OJ he used to be white people's like he was that he was white people's pet negro yo. and then like yeah. that trial happened and now mm-mm, that's public enemy number one I mean, right, man. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, because, like, because, like, the thing about you is that, you know, what I've noticed is, I mean, well, I just had this feeling that, you know, when you talk about, like, Bill Cosby's or whatever like that, I sense that you're not, you're not exactly protecting them. You're just trying to make a larger point as to, you know, whenever a black person does something, there's always, like, a double standard when it comes to a Bill Cosby. Look at Tiger Woods, and when that whole shit with Tiger Woods and that DUI, I'm like, what about Mel Gibson? He said, and then once they, once the guys that's out the car, he said, all oh, that shit about Jews, and then this nigga came back with blockbuster movies, like it was nothing. Yo, he was at the <laughs> he was at the Oscars this year, yo. I looked at my girl when when they said Mel Gibson was on the red carpet. I was like, what in the fuck is that? Like, what? How did y'all let him back? You let him back. I was like, yeah, I'm done, yo. Like, you right. You absolutely right, yo. Like, there's a complete double standard with that shit. Because, th- th- yeah, niggas jumped out, the wo- jumped out the window on Tiger Woods. And that nigga was just drunk and got caught. He ain't hurt nobody. He was not bothering nobody. Mel Gibson literally said Jews are going to destroy the world <laughs> after he got pulled over. And they let him back at the Grammys. What do you have to do as a white man to be ostracized? Like, what, what, what? line do you have to cross before you they're finally like fuck it like is there anybody where people are just like fuck it even hitler yo he killed six million fucking people and shit niggas worship this dude in 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 high school mm-hmm. this nigga gave me mind comp he was like read it you'll learn something and i was just like yo <laughs> you can look up to that nigga <laughs> you can look Whoa. up to a nigga 
if you can look up to a nigga that murked six million people for no fucking reason for real, like I don't even know what to tell you, bro. Like I have no words for you. Bro. Man. <laughs> like it is what it is at that point. Yeah, but yeah, what 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 do white people? What, what do white men have to do <laughs> to get like the full brunt? Of like scrutiny that black men get, I I don't that black men and black women get. I don't know, I do not know. Right now, um, I want to like go a bit, like I want to talk a little bit about like your like the structure of your songs and everything like that. It seems to me that you know now as JPEG Mafia, your your songs are are you know rather long between like five and six minutes, and it seems to me that they've kind of like your song the, the your song length has increased. Um, compared to when you were like Ghost Pop and you know De- Devon Hendrix, not saying that they weren't you know kind of in, in the same range, but um, it seems to me like with um, I think with like your Ghost Pop stuff, you had like a lot of like you know instrumental interludes, and then it seems to me that as JPEG Mafia, you've kind of merged those together to like to let the song breathe. And so, um, if that's correct, um, is it because you're trying to like have some kind of like breakdown so like the the listener can kind of like take a break from like some of your dense lyrics and like the heaviness of your lyrics? Yeah, that that's that's actually that's that's part of the reason for sure. I want to um, I know a lot of this shit. I, I I try to approach everything. I try not to beat niggas over the head and be preachy and shit like that. That's that's um my homie um. Way go to ninety. Who's from Maryland? Mm-hmm. He described me one time as a a, a non preachy political rapper, and like I I I know that like I, I want niggas to still jig to it. You know what I'm saying? I still fuck with. I still be bumping. You know Kodak Black and all these niggas who like don't maybe not talk about politics and all this like quote unquote serious shit. But I just I want I want to keep the musicality because like the the production and like the way the songs are structured i'm trying to really like like make something that's not been heard before so i'll put things in there that some people might take out or some people might like not understand like like in digital blackface I, this song i have called digital blackface there's a part where i like i warp this r&b sample like hard as shit like in the middle of it and i just let it ride for like a minute just because I don't give a fuck, yo. I was just like, yo, fuck it. Like, who's <laughs> stopping? I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like, for real. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this because, like, even if people don't fuck with it now, somebody may look back at it later and be like, oh shit, that dude was on to something. Or they might look back and be like, nah, that was trash. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I don't like go into every song like thinking to do something specifically. I, t- I free every every beat I make. I, I freestyle it. I don't go into it like with an idea. Sometimes I might be like, I want to do something that sounds like this. It's, everything is just made up like on the spot. So like it just builds itself. However I feel like the song is structured and begins and ends, I just kind of format it that, that way and then I wrap around it basically. Hmm. So that's, that's why I like this breakdown of this shit because they start, the, the beats just start as like pieces of work on their own and then I just try to format my ideas on top of it. Hmm. Now, when it comes to um, your songwriting style, now you just said that, you know, you, you also partially freestyle some of your stuff. But um, when it comes to like, you know, putting pen to paper, do you put pen to paper or do you just like typing your phone or something like that? I'm one of the few. One of the last, man. Last of a dying breed. I put pen to pad. Oh, thank God. Thank <laughs> I take the notebook out and I write that shit down, yo. And I, yep, I still do it, yo. I do it. <laughs> 
I, I'll never, I'll never do it any other way because I've seen Joel Santana do that shit mm. <laughs> like a long time ago, and I was like, "Yep, fuck uh, yeah, I like that." No, so, yeah, nah, that that's just how I've always been. Yeah, ten uh, Okay, okay no, now, um, um, now this is always a question that I, I, I always like to ask. Um, you know, art, hip hop artists, how do you archive your lyrics after you're done with them? What do, What do you mean? Okay, so. Um, all right. So after you, all right. So after you get done with like you know your album, you have all your songs. Do you ever like go ahead and do you like type your lyrics up, or do you just like leave them in a notebook and you just like remember them automatically? Oh, it's well for me. Like since since I write it, like after I write it down or like after I come up with it, mm-hmm. I might not remember it exactly immediately after. But like mm-hmm. basically when I record it. That's basically when I committed to memory because after I record it and I listen to it a bunch of times because I, I, cause I also mix and master it and shit like that. So like it, it, it's hard for me not to, to remember my lyrics because I just hear them so many times. Like I have to loop it and like I have to like mix a certain section so I might hear like one lyric over and over again. So it's basically for me after I record it, it's committed to memory pretty much. And then after I mix it and master it, it basically becomes muscle memory. Like I could rap. I can rap Black Ben Carson in my sleep because I don't even, I literally can think of something else while I'm rapping that song. It's it's not even like, I don't even have to like think about it. So yeah. Man, I don't know how the fuck you do that. (laughs) 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 I I can never remember any, I can't remember none of my shit, man. I got to type that shit out and yeah, it's terrible. But, um, Damn, for real? I've never even, that's never, that's literally never been a problem. I guess, I don't know. I've never had that issue. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's the whiskey. I, I I don't I don't know what it is at this point. I just, just can't remember <laughs> that shit. But um, and it's, and also when it comes like to to your mixing and mastering, you have like a well, I think in general you've always kind of had like like a bigger kind of sounding like your your stuff. The sounds kind of big, even you know way back when as Devon Hendrix and stuff like that. But even bigger now is JPEG Mafia, and you know you you've talked like all throughout in, in several interviews about you know your your dipset influence you just mentioned Joel santana and you know what like the heat makers were doing during that period with diplomatic immunity and like the, just the big kind of new yorkian sound in a way but that's still that dipset sound um do you find influence in how um the dipset shit was like mixed and mastered during that time <laughs> no nah, because dipset shit was mixed and mastered pretty bad at that time for real but like well, I mean, well, I mean, like the diplomatic immunity stuff, like their official shit. Now, I know, I know their mixtape stuff was kind of, you know, weird. Yeah, yeah, that was like, that was like, <laughs> I listened to one of them. I found one of them songs, like a forty cal song on YouTube the other day, and I was like, yo, this beat is mad quiet, yo. Like, what the fuck is this? But like, um, yeah, I definitely like the diplomats. Yeah, the first, <clears throat> the first time I heard the diplomats production, Cameron's mm-hmm. production. I was just like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It sounded big because they were, they were sampling songs that sounded big themselves. Yeah. And, I, and I was just trying to figure out why I liked it so much. And I was trying to figure out, like, how did they get that sound? And that's how I discovered, like, sampling and shit. But um, I tried to make my songs sound big because a lot of the artists I listen to, that's what they sound like, like Arca and, like, Throbbing Gristles or Bad Brains. They would, like, they, they made their songs, like, the songs, like, after you're done with them, you just feel like you've been through some shit. Like I, I 
I always just want my songs to sound like beefy and, and, and hearty and it's just like it leaves an impression on you when you're you're finished. So I, I, I mix it in that way. I, I get mixing techniques from like Dr. Dre and people like this because Dr. Dre is like a master at, at mixing and, and mixing and mastering. You know, he's like, Woo! He's the best, you know what I'm saying? And then, but the biggest influence for me on that is, is Kanye because Kanye, um, what's important about making these songs sound big is mm. like, it's usually not complicated stuff. It's just like bringing out something simple about the song and like that's where i try to like hone my skill at because kanye is the best at that he i, I don't even know how he does it you know he's the absolute best at taking like an idea mm-hmm. and just presenting it in a crazy way so that that's what i try to do i try to take complex ideas and present them in in simple ways in ways that'll make you jig rather than turn you off so some mm-hmm. people might not like arthur because it's too weird but I'm gonna present. I, I want to present it in a way that oh, this is what you hear when you hear Arthur. That's like what I hear. You know what I'm saying? And I put my own spin on it and blah blah blah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then also, I mean, you. I mean, like, like, I mean, you know, like for your, you know, your stuff to be, um, you know, I guess alternative or have the alternative aesthetic. It's pretty, you know, pretty bouncy. You can bounce to a lot of your shit, and so I can only help but imagine that that uh, reggae influence um, as a kid you kind of bring into your music too. Yep, reggae, the dancehall influence. Like I, I had, my dad had so many records back in the day: Rankin, Dread, Michael Prophet, yeah, Cuddy Rank, yeah, 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 Gummy, <laughs> yo, you hip, yo, you hip, yo, Junior Reed, <laughs> Yellowman, like all these people, yo, like they. If if you listen to that shit close, yo, that's what all you know, like these trap tags and shit, like all mm. these DJ tags and crazy noises and shit. It all came from that, yo. Like, that's where it came from. Like, you listen to old dance hall records, they be putting, they be running shit back and talking before the song and shit. Yeah. That shit came straight, that shit came straight from that, that the dance hall shit. But yeah, dance hall, um, early dance hall and like roots reggae and shit like that, they keep, it's like, I get, what I get from them is I take an idea and I keep it steady. Like, they, they have like a, something steady about the song and then stuff um changing around it. So it might have a steady melody. The melody might not change, but the drums are just going insane around it and shit like that. And that's a lot of reggae is like that. Like it's like it's deceptively like it's deceptively complex. It's presented real simple, but there's a lot going on there. So yeah, I, I definitely get a huge influence from that. Right, because well, I I, I think one one of your um, I think one of the best songs in your catalog that really kind of exemplifies this influence is um, is all caps no spaces when um like in the like the latter half of it when it breaks down and it becomes like a bit slower but it still has like this bounciness toward it and like in, in the bass and the bass kind of remind like the like the um what you did with the bass the pattern of it it reminds me of like some like some some ranking tool like some how the west was one type of shit um like the, the the way that you do it and um I'm curious to know, like, um, because, you know, when you think of reggae, you think of, um, you know, how they mix their stuff down. And really, they really just focus on the drums and the bass. So is it difficult? Tr- well, I guess you master it at this point. But um, is it difficult trying to really, like, um, keep the bass within, like, a certain, like, uh, uh, place when you're trying to build all these other things around it? It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's techniques you got you to gotta learn because, like, um... And like that bass on all caps no spaces. I I, I could have actually like I actually had it in a hitting like a normal eight oh eight at first. Mm-hmm. But then 
I just, I don't know. I just decided to just crank it all the way up and see what happened. And it just swallowed the song up. And I just thought it sounded so fucking hard. Cause I, it just sounded like this. It just sounded like the song was, the beat was falling over itself. And stuff. So I like it, it like finding out the, where to put the eight away is something like, as a lot of producers like nowadays have mastered like, uh, like Metro Boomin and then all mm-hmm. these people like you, they, they build songs like around the bass kind of, and it's like, it's, 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 it's difficult at first, but once you like mass, once you understand what you're doing, you find techniques to like, keep it sitting in the pocket and then you can like do whatever. Once you know how to control it, you can make it do whatever the fuck you want. So like, Mm-hmm. And I love it because bass was like an afterthought back in the day. It was like something that was like put on at the end or like nobody thought about it. And now it's just like the main thing in songs. now. I think that's so fucking funny. Like <laughs> if you take a trap song from today mm-hmm. and put it in the seventies and let niggas in the seventies hear it, mm-hmm. they'd be like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? You're like, what the hell is even like, what? It's, so futuristic low-key and like oh yeah so it's it, it, it's difficult but it's like it's to me it's fun like learning shit like that I, i'm always learning about like new techniques and shit like that gotta keep everything fresh <laughs> right um now uh you know finally um i want to talk a bit well a, a bit more about you know you're coming to baltimore and everything like that because um, you know, like you're like the first Baltimore person we've had on since Joshua Harris, um, and that was a long, that was a while ago, probably a little less than a year ago. And um, it seems to me that you know, communist slow jams. You uh, you mentioned in the interview that you know um, it came out, I believe, what 2015, right? Like right before the um, the uprising. But you recorded these songs, like you know, some years before that, right? Or at least some of them. Some of them are old, and but most of it was recorded in 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it seems to me that it's a it's a mixture of some of your um of some of your older things because um like we, some of your um Devon Hendrix stuff um you know they they're really synthy they they have like more of a laid back vibe to them and it, I mean kind of they they sound essentially um like uh like something some kind of like Japanese influence kind of kind of uh style in a way. And also, yeah, right. And also, um, you know, when it comes to like your your music, then it was, I would say, a bit more introspective, um, you know, because it seems to me that you're talking a bit. It seems a bit more personal compared to you know how you came out JPEG Mafia. And so, um, communist slow jams is a bit more. It, like, it's a mix of that. So you can see like 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 the JPEG Mafia that we know now like really come out, but then it's still like a mixture of. You know, you talking about, you know, your mom, you know, kind of leaving home and stuff like that. So when you when you came to Baltimore, um, you know, what was that? What was like the first week in Baltimore like for you? What was that? Um, feeling like? The first week. Yeah. It was interesting. I didn't when I first moved to Baltimore, I wasn't I was staying with um, a friend in mm-hmm. Columbia. So I was staying there and like driving to Baltimore. So like the first week. Um, it was weird. I was just adjusting to it, and I went to Baltimore for the first time, and I was like, "Damn, this shit is this shit is crazy." And then, like, I just tried to. I did, from then I tried to like look up like scenes or like places to perform. And I remember I, I think I tried to go perform at this place called. Um, damn, I forgot what the open passion over passion over fuck passion poets. I forgot what that shit was called, but it's some shit like that. And I was 
trying to go there. And then, um, I don't know, that whole week, the first week I spent just trying to figure out what the music scene was. Because I had researched it beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out, like, where I could find these people that I was looking for. And then, like, I finally, I remember, I'll never forget, it was a, it was like a Super Saiyan show back in 2015. They had Butch, Dawson, and uh, OG Dutchmaster and some other people on there. And I went to that show, and I met everybody for the first time. And I just took it from there. Mm-hmm. I started going back to that. That was at the Crown. It was the first time I ever went to the Crown. And, like, that first week, I was just going back and forth. And then, like, sometime after that, the uprising happened. And uh, I recorded this tape called Dark Skin Manson because I was like, I couldn't really get into Baltimore for real because mm-hmm. they had like a curfew. But it, the curfew only lasted like a day. But like, I just kind of, I was like, I just, I, I was there. I was driving around Baltimore the night the uprising happened. And I just saw a lot of shit happen. I was like, damn, yo. So I, was just, I just got really inspired. I had to write some shit. Mm-hmm. I think I've been based in Oklahoma, like going on three years now. And so, um, you know, I'm from Baltimore and every time I go back, I, I really only get to go back like once a year now. Um, and when I, you know, every time I go back, it's like, especially after the uprising, like shit is always changing. And, you know, back, way back when, like, you know, the hip hop scene wasn't at least there really wasn't like in. I mean, there was, but not like how it is today. There wasn't really like this underground kind of avant, like avant-garde kind of scene, like you know, with you and like Abdul Ali and stuff like that. And so, like me going to the Crown, um, you know, I, you know, when I met you, because uh, you know, we, we, uh, me and my cousin, who's also the co-host of the show, he's not not around right now for some reason. But anyway, um, you know, we we. Um, you know, I came back and he was like, yo, we got to do something. And, you know, I had to come, I had to go down that area to see like what it was like, you know, after reading like a lot of um, Brandon Soderbergh's type of stuff, um, his writing on, on the scene. And then, you know, you just happened. Yeah. Yeah. We had him on once and, um, you know, and just so it was, it was, I don't know. It was like, it was meant to be because I think like the second week I came, you know, he was like, yo, JPEG Mafia's performing. I said, oh, we got to see this man. So, and I got to see you in person and everything like that. So, um, that was really dope. And it seems to me that, just from the outside looking in, because it's so weird, because I just feel so removed now. But like back in the day, like the the one of the places to go to was like the Five Seasons. You had like you know Verb, you had um, Comp, and at the and during that time, you know, a rapper every so often, you know, from Baltimore, they would get like a deal. But then it, it was like the stigma because like if you got a deal, like nothing would, would like what happened. And so Baltimore just kind of seemed like this. Um, you know, and so for lack of a better term, like trap, because I was kind of a, I was kind of a part of that scene certain in certain ways in like the mid two thousands, um, and now it just seems so different. Um, and now, would you say that at least for the underground scene or so called underground scene in Baltimore, is the Crown kind of like the epicenter of that? I would I would have to say so. It's where we perform the most often. It's the most reliable one. I have a show coming up there on the thirtieth. Actually, I booked myself, and I think I'm playing there again the next month. Um, it it kind of is, you know, like it really is. Like I, it it doesn't feel. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that because sometimes it feels like maybe there's not a personal connection to the crown. But like after the bell got shut down, mm-hmm. I really feel like the crown is one of the last like remaining moments from like. The up like this scene's uprising because the bell was really that like the epicenter of it but i think the crown is now to me at mm-hmm. least i think years from now people will do a, a fucking 
documentary on the shit and the crown is going to be with all my all, all my some of my best shows at the crown yo i love the crown it's the fucking best <laughs> i mean it is, it's definitely the, the epicenter i mean yeah like when well, well, when, when we went um you know like we got there kind of early and um you know we kind of just like from our experience like in, in in some of the older places from way back when in the music scene they wouldn't really fill up like that. It used to be like it used to be like this. Pretty much, you know, a rapper would come, but he would come with like his whole entire crew, and that would be like the majority of of the audience, and they would leave after. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that still happens, yo. I oh, know, yo. Okay. I ain't even gonna tell on niggas like that, but I see that shit all the time, and I laugh at it. I'm just like, yo, man, what the fuck? <laughs> well, 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 at, le- at least for that day, like when I saw when we saw you, you know. There was a, like a lot of people came in and people stayed. I mean, I was shocked, honestly. Wait, which show was this exactly? You remember? Man, it was like it was it was in like December or something like maybe like a little after Christmas or maybe before Christmas or something like that. Was it? Did Abdul play too? No, he uh, he didn't play, but um, but but we met him there. He he was there though. Um, I think Ducky Dynamo was also um DJing there too. Rico Will, he he performed there. Rico Will, damn yo, I'm trying to remember what show this is. Yeah, because because you, you're right. Like at the crowd, niggas stay at the crowd now. Like they they'll stay and like you know, I I've actually I actually get niggas to mosh now at the crowd. I'm like, wow, that's a new thing. Oh damn, <laughs> y'all moshing? Yeah, we mosh. Like the last show I did, yo, the last like. Last show I've been last shows I've been doing that for like this past year. We just been moshing straight. I don't even, you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't even like intend for that to happen. Like we just start pushing each other. <laughs> We're like, yeah, that that's 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 um that's interesting. So the crown wasn't. It was some whole other shit before. I, I heard it looked different before too. Dude, that entire district some years ago did not look the way it was. It was that was you didn't want to go in the area. <laughs> I mean, and like every. Every time I, you know, like I, like you know, you know, the shit changed when I was in college. Now, you know, when I would come back, I started going like getting acupuncture appointments in that area because, like the, I think like the uh, my acupuncturist is like a, it was like a, a block away from the crown, like where the crown is, and I started realizing I'm like, yo, what the fuck, I'm going, I'm actually going like into this spot, like into this area where I, you know, I didn't, I never used to go to, after a while, and so, you know, and then you know, I was, um, we went there one other time. You weren't there though. Um, and they had like a fucking Jay Dilla night. I'm like, I've never, I've never thought I'd see a day where there would be like a Jay Dilla night and like an MF Doom night in Baltimore and talking to like certain people. And, you know, a lot of them are transients, you know, from like, you know, from New York, from, you know, different all over the place. And they tend to be these, uh, I mean, you know, for lack of a better term, like yuppies. <laughs> um, and... You're fucking yuppies, and, and and you know they and they think they've been there for like years. So I'm always kind of taken aback when I talk to those kinds of people. I'm like, yo, you don't know how this how this shit used to be back in the day. Um, but it's interesting though. So um, I mean, just so like since you've been there, like in closing, um, since you've been in Baltimore, um, do you think it's changed like you know a lot since you've been there? Since I've been there, yeah, huh. hell yeah, yo, there's some whole other shit like. Just in the time I've been there, two, three years, like, it's changed a lot, you know, like, I, like, I, I move different now the way I, I don't go to the same places I used to, like, a lot of places have, have changed, there's 7-Eleven, 
in fucking spots where I, like they used to be nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's changed so much just in the little time I've been there. So shit, it must look like some fucking Jurassic Park shit for you. It's just like what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, man. I like, definitely feel you on that. Yeah, let's put it this way. Like I um. I remember when I came back after, because, you know, I just saw, like, everything about the uprising, you know, like, all the way, like, 3,000, no, 1,500 miles away, and uh, when I came back after the uprising, like, around Christmas, um, you know, I remember, I like, I, I put my foot out the car, and I don't know what it was, I was in my same neighborhood, but I just felt like a different kind of energy getting out the car, it was, I don't know what it was, it was just kind of crazy, though. Yeah, like, you know... Riding, yeah, you know, like riding through and stuff like that, you know, and you know, people tell me like, it's it's not it's not it's not it's not what you what you're used to, you know. A lot of shit has changed, and I'm like, God damn, it has. I didn't I didn't think you know that was entirely true, but I completely think so now. Yeah, man, shit, yeah. shit gets real different around here. Like, just I don't know. A lot of it is that gentrification and shit. I've definitely seen that first hand too since I've been here just in the short time I've been there a lot of that yeah a you whole know, lot of that shit yeah I mean yeah no, no doubt but I mean I guess in certain ways um I, I mean, I really think gentrification has has at least helped the the music scene, um, at least when it comes to the Crown, because that area has been you know partially gentrified at least. Um, so I guess in certain ways it's for it's for the better, but yeah, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I understand the, I understand what gentrification is at, at its roots. Mm-hmm. I just like in New York at least. It's just a sinister thing behind it. They're just pushing people out of their communities. A lot of people can't afford the rent. They have to shut down their businesses that they've owned for years. And it's just like a blatant disregard for culture. Right. But like, yeah, gentrification at its core, I guess it's not really supposed to be like that. But, you know, white people got a hold of it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, well, I, I can't wait to hear what else you got to say about all this stuff with your upcoming project called Veteran, right? Oh, man, I can't wait for people to hear this shit, man. I'm really trying to... I'm really attempting to make something people have not ever actually heard before. It's really... I don't know. This is going to be my catchiest <laughs> album, and it's also going to be like... I don't know. This is either it, it's either this is album's either gonna make it make me or break me. I'll say that. That's all I can say about that. Damn. All right. So, well, also, I, I mean to ask you this: um, how did you get how did you get associated with you know Brian and you know Death Bomb Death Bomb Arc and everything like that? Um, when I released Doctor Manson, I released it with this. I used to sell it with these DVDs. <laughs> okay. Um, it was these DVDs where, like, it was the DVDs are basically just porn and, like, with my music over it. Okay. And, like, um, a lot of people was buying them, like, in real life. Like, I would sell them, like, outside the Bell or I'd go to the county and sell them, and people, like, fuck with them. And I don't, somehow, I guess one of them got a tape, got one of the DVDs to him. Mm-hmm. He discovered me somehow, and he um, emailed me and asked me to. Can he sell it on his site? I'll, he'll buy a bunch. And I gave him like 20 and he sold them out real quick. And then um, we just had a working relationship since then. 
because he was like, I'm I'm in Death Bomb. I own Death Bomb Mark. We do this, this, and this. And then we just started talking from there. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's... Yeah, that, that that that's crazy. I yeah, I wasn't aware about those those DVDs actually. <laughs> you you can if you if you type in my name mm-hmm. and then uh the and Dark Skin Manson movie or mm-hmm. if you type or you find my find my Vimeo. It's on my Vimeo, the the actual the content of the DVD, it's on there. Oh shit. Oh uh, yeah, I, it's I, on I, my I, Vimeo. Well, I mean, well, is this like yeah, you I mean, can, do, you, do you just like take like from different porn movies or like this or is this like actually you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the recipe. So just, I don't oh, know. Just decide. Oh, right. <laughs> right. You can just take a look at it, but it's, it's, it's interesting to say the least. <laughs> hey, no doubt. Well, it sounds interesting. Um, and you know, with all that being said, um, you know, uh, you know, just go ahead and you know, plug all your social media and everything like that for people who want to, um, you know, know more about you and everything like that. That that um, you can find me on Twitter at Dark Skin Manson. You know what I'm saying? I'm the only JPEG Mafia on fucking Twitter, so I'm not I'm not hard to find. You can find me on Instagram JPEG Mafia, SoundCloud JPEG Mafia. Um, go on my Bandcamp, everybody, and fucking buy merch, yo. I need rent money. Help. <laughs> donate to a donate to a starving black child. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, buy buy the merch, yo. My man, my man's. Um, we make we make the merch on demand. We got good shit on there. Yes, Jules um, tweeted about like whatever she tweeted the other day when she was just like, "Can I wear this shirt?" And the shirt said, "Niggas lie a lot" or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she deleted that tweet. I kept that shit and put it on a shirt so you can have it <laughs> on you forever. <laughs> oh man. Go on there, yo. Buy the shirt, promote JPEG, and I'm trying to be Lil Uzi Vert next year. Come on. And then the weekend, the year after that. And yeah, so yeah. You can find me on Apple Music and all that shit if you type my name in, JPEG Mafia. All right. All right. Or just download a lot of your shit You're straight from your media fire or whatever like that from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. And you can, like, my website has everything. It has the merch, all my videos, all my music and download. Everything's on my website if you want to go to that, too. Yeah. All right. JPEGMafia.net. JPEGMafia.net. And I dummy proof everything. So, like, you can't miss it. Like, anytime you click my name on anything, like, it's probably, it's, it's probably like, if you're trying to download some shit, it's real, it's real easy. I make it very not possible. <laughs> No doubt. Well, um, JPEG Mafia, thanks for thanks so much for coming on. Um, you know, I appreciate it. We've been, like I said before in the beginning, we've been talking about getting you on for the longest time. And, you know, this time, you know, with you come working on a new project, I just figured that it uh it was a perfect time to do it. I'm really bummed out that my uh, my co-host couldn't be a part of this, but you know, I'm happy I got you on nonetheless. Yeah, hell yeah, man. This is probably like. I won. This is probably the best interview I think I've ever had, yo. Like this is pretty good. Like I, I got to discuss. Like a lot of people, they they focus on like the the controversial elements of like the shit I do. But it's rare that people just ask me about my musical process because I, I feel like that's when I'm when I'm making shit. That's what I'm thinking about a lot of times. Um, is like the structure. So you're probably the first person to ask me like, you know, the way you structure your songs and shit like that. You did your research. You knew about Ben Yuta. 
<laughs> I give you a, I give you a fucking, you get a, a nine point nine, fucking best new interviewer. Fuck that shit. Put it in the Hall of Fame. Well, thank you. I may like take that and like put it, stick it in the intro somewhere uh, sooner or later <laughs> for the for the podcast episode, just so so niggas can know. This has been another episode of the Channel Tent Podcast. We out. Peace. <laughs>